All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I feel a little better than I did the last time I talked to you, but geez, man, I'm okay. All right, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I don't like to be misunderstood as complaining. Today on the show, George Schlatter is here. George Schlatter has been... He's he's like uh, uh, almost like a Zelig like character, but he remains he he maintains the same form <laughs> and disposition throughout all the years. He doesn't change, but he's always there somewhere in the background, lurking in the background of comedy of television comedy. Schwatter is always there. Schwatter has always been there. Schwatter will probably always be there. But he did create uh, Laughing, and uh, it's celebrating its fiftieth anniversary. And Time Life has released the complete series on DVD. And that got him out. Got him out in the world to talk to me. And I believe, I believe that uh, you're actually, when I talk to George Schlatter, you're hearing what it sounds like to be pitched on something, to be hustled, to be cajoled with a true show business charm and wit into doing something. I believe I'm, I, I believe I might have agreed to making a show with him, but I'm not sure. You'll have to, I, I, you'll have to parse it because I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know if we're in business together or not, but it felt like a good part of the interview had something to do with that. Oh my God, I'm, I don't feel like I'm talking correctly. So I go back to the doc today and I'm happy I have insurance and a doctor. Everybody should, and it should be affordable and reasonable. That's why you must push back, push back on the repeal and replacers. Yeah, you, it, you shouldn't be afraid that you're gonna die of something in your mouth because you can't get it looked at other than going to an emergency room. Anyway, I went back to Dr. Gooey. Dr. Gooey in uh, Pasadena. So they took all this stuff out and they sent it out to be biopsied. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's just hanging there. It was right around where I used to do the lozenges, right around where I used to do the occasional dip a doodle every once in a while to get the real, ja- you know, really get my brain jacked up and get the real hum of the nicotine buzz on. I'd occasionally dip. So it says right there on the label, causes mouth cancer, causes teeth loss, causes dumb gum disease, causes dumb disease. Yeah, you're dumb if you do it. Ah, oh, but that's, you know, you just ride a line with these dumb addictions. But so I took all this shit out of my mouth and they sent it out to be biopsied today. I went back for the follow-up. Apparently everything's healing well and they had not got the biopsy back a week later and that's driving me fucking nuts. And then the doc looks at me and he's like, I didn't know how your uh, face would look after I stitched it up. And I'm like, he goes, it looks fine. It's like, well, thanks for gambling. Thanks for rolling the dice. Thanks for not doing it, whatever. My lip's still numb and I can't talk right and it's hard to hold liquid in my mouth. But if that's the way it's going to be for the rest of my life, that's the way it's going to be. As you get older, things get cut off. Things get taken away. Things get moved. Things, uh, you know, you're just like a pirate. You might lose an eye or a leg, but you got a patch and you got a thing, a peg. So, you know, everybody's a pirate eventually. Just uh, chipping away. Life just chips away until you're just, you're just a pirate. So they called the uh, the biopsy place and, and they were like, do you want to wait? And they're going to fax it over. I'm like, I don't, how long is it? I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to be panicky guy in the, in the lobby. 
So I drove away, and Dr. Gooey called me and said, it's uh, exactly what we thought it was. It's a uh, clogged uh, salivary gland. It was just big, and, and uh, everything's uh, okay. And thank God. But that terror that existed before hearing that news, of that's the way I'm going to go, that's what's going to happen to me, the guy who makes a living off his mouth, his mouth is going to rot out, that's how it's going to go down. That terror just dissipated, obviously. I'm grateful that it is what it is and it isn't what I thought it was, right? And I get a little relief from that, but how am I going to change my life? Like, I'm never going to go back to nicotine lozenges. I'm not going to dip anymore. That's just stupid. I guess I won't smoke any more cigars either. It's just like these are one of those lessons. Not even if this was, even if this wasn't caused by that shit. Like they start cutting shit out of you, you start to make compromises, right? Isn't that the way it's supposed to go? You lose a thing, maybe you live differently. Is that it? Is that the saying? (laughs) If something is removed because of something you did, try not to do that anymore. Right? Isn't that the bumper sticker? So what's going on? Went over to, uh, to the lot, to the sound stages for Glow to do a fitting to try on all my new wonderful 80s shirts for the upcoming season and uh, try on some new pants say hello to the folks ran into Allison Bree she's looking lean and mean I mean really she's all muscle that chick but we're excited it's going to be fun also really astounded and excited by all the feedback coming back from my special Too Real on Netflix that will be there Two Real will remain there on Netflix for you to watch. And you can get um, you can get my last special more later at Epics On Demand, I believe, and also on iTunes. I believe you can rent it or buy it on iTunes. And the special before that, Thinky Pain, is on Netflix. And there is an evolution, people. There's an arc. There, there's a landing. Okay? It all comes together. It's all going to come together right in time for everything to end miserably for everyone. That's upbeat. I am Mr. Upbeat today. George Schlatter. Uh, this guy's a legend and he's the real deal and he's been in television for many years and I think after you listen to this, we're, we're probably making a new laughing. I'm not going to commit to that, but I think that's where this was going. I believe that's what was happening during this conversation. The uh, 50th anniversary box set of all the laugh-ins is available. I have it. It's quite, it's quite the time capsule. It's on DVD. Uh, time Life has put it out. You can get it now. And this is me and George Schlatter talking show business. You know, in terms of like a, a joke junkie, and you don't feel like you can keep up. But we're talking about technology. But you're just saying, in in, in the power of the joke, is it diminished because there's so much shit going on? It's it's intimidating. I thought the other day, I thought uh, we're going to do a whole new thing. We may do a new laughing. Oh, really? Yeah. And and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come up with another way to do commercials. And I went through this whole thing about how I could get Sasha Baron to come in and yeah. do interrupt commercials and do non-commercial commercials. I had a whole vast plan, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was really proud of myself until yeah. I picked up this morning's new LA Times. Yeah. And they're doing it. So <laughs> They're doing it in real life. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, they just talked about- how or, or as a comedy show. You're saying that real life, 
has become so non-ironic and, and farcical that comedy becomes uh, difficult. Comedy becomes reality. Right. If you just look this morning, you can't beat this Monty Python in, in Washington. I know. I, so, so what do we do? Are we all supposed to get serious now? I mean, I, I find that, uh, you know, laughing was a, a part of my childhood. I'm 53, so I remember seeing it. I remember it represented uh, a, that there's a different world out there. Yes. Right? Because I, I was a kid. I was, what was it, seven, what year? 19, it was 1968 when we did the pilot. All right, so America is coming unglued. Yes. It's a fucking, you know, blood in the streets, insanity. It's overdue to do it again. Van, you know, Vietnam is like at fever pitch. The The country is turning on it. Yep. And it's coming unhinged. And then this comes out, and it's like it, it provides some satirical relief but also some like i imagine for that side of things the left it was sort of like well thank god at least we got a voice in show business See, and the thing was they never really understood what we were doing until it was too late because well, who didn't? the networks yeah. and the sponsors and right. so forth you know and once we once we said it then we went on to something else and then they thought about it and said wait a minute what did they just say and we were doing a thing the other day I read how much money they're spending to promote and develop tobacco yeah. and how many people are dying. Right. And I looked back and I saw the tr- salute we did to smoking. Right. And we said, smoking is good for you no matter what they say. Smoking is good for you, so just ignore the AMA. <laughs> and then you cut to Dan Rowan and he says, sure, I saved the coupons. How do you got this swell iron lung? Right, yeah. And yeah. the network said, you can't put that. We have tobacco sponsors. sponsors. Yeah, sure. And I said, it's going to go on. I'll lose them. Anyway. The sponsors wanted to stay on that show because they wanted the rating. Yeah. They didn't mind what we were saying. Right. That piece today <laughs> is on the front page. So nothing, we haven't learned anything. We haven't learned anything. Well, what the one thing we've learned is that corporate power uh, trumps everything. Capitalism trumps everything. And if you can get enough suckers to buy your shit, uh, then you'll keep selling it. <laughs> this, this, is, this is true. <laughs> put, put, yeah, put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> suckers. <laughs> but... It's now it's now a science. It's gone beyond reality. When yeah. you read this morning's paper, you right. say, "No, this is impossible." No, I know, but it isn't. And then you then you have to ask yourself, "Whose fault is this? What the hell happened?" It, you know, has has the uh, the bottom fallen out? That is truth. That uh, tenuous. It's not with everybody sold out. You know. Yeah. We were we were blamed with the Smothers Brothers yeah. and laughing partially for ending the Vietnam War because we kept harping on it, harping on it. And when people are laughing, they're learning. So you can say anything with a joke. That's and right. We well, the thing is, is that as it be, has become more commodified, you know, they are laughing and learning, but they, they may not be doing anything with that education. That's where we come in. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. You got a team? Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, we're just putting out this collection of laughing. 144. I know. It's beautiful. So. I just got the box. Did you get it? Yeah. Okay. I got it yesterday, so I haven't watched well, it. All right. All right. I wanted to be sure you got it. I know what it looks like. I, I the know. box looks nice. <laughs> well, and there's, well, it's 144 shows plus uh, one whole reel of outtakes. Oh, great. Party reels and so on. Well, those are funny. Just uh, like a lot of outtakes of, uh, of uh, Goldie Hawn laughing at things. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, they wanted, they, they asked me yeah. if we could do a show of outtakes. Yeah. And I said, yeah. you can Kidding, I aired my outtakes. Yeah, Laughing was an outtake. I know, I know, I remember. But see, can we do that today? Today we've we developed new rules. We've put up new barriers, new walls, and they're just ready to get knocked down. Well, I think the issue really becomes about the outlets. I think what you're talking about when you say you can't keep up is that 
content is available through so many so many different outlets, right? So, you know, back in the day, and I, I'm nostalgic about three networks. I mean, because then, you know, everybody was, you know, really on the same Focused. page, give or take a show or two. Focused. Right? That's right. So, you know, you had a lot of eyes, you had a lot of conversation, you know, you didn't have people isolated in bubbles or, you know, you know some people like CBS, some people like NBC, but if a show was a show that people liked, everybody watched the whole fucking country. That's right. That's right. And now... I you know I, I do a joke on stage about it. I say it's gotten to the point where someone will come up to me and ask me if I've seen a show and not only have I not heard of the show but when they tell me where it's on I don't know what that is. That's right. <laughs> That's our fault. Is it who's it, yours? TV. It's our fault. Well, who are you representing here? Well, well, the, the world. We have we have conf- <laughs> we have become conformist. All the nonconform. I want to be a nonconformist like everybody else. Sure. You know? <laughs> right. And we we're letting them get by with it. What? So my new like, thing, my new yeah, thing, yeah. Gonna, it's going to go light years. We're instead of trying to catch up, yeah. we've got to try to leapfrog over it, uh-huh. and then we own it again. What does that look like? I mean, it's it seems to me that like yeah, I did a little bit of research. There's a lot to do, so I figured you know if I could just get you talking, I don't have to be fucking responsible. For it. <laughs> you got to blame somebody. <laughs> but you did do a show. That seemed uh, kind of, uh, it foreshadowed something that yes, didn't go. Did. Your first attempt at the variety show was something called Turn On? It wasn't the first attempt. That was once Laugh-In was a hit. And I went oh, in and okay. I, could, I could do anything. I, had a, I was, it was 60 years ago and I was, you know. You make I'm, you're making money for well, the I'm networks. arrogant now. But yeah. you want to see me with a 50 share? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And so we went in and we went in to deliberately do a show that would break all the rules. And it was Turn On. And they bought it. What was it. the premise? The premise was just to blow. It was like a computerized television show. It all came in a computer, and there was no, there was no audience. It was the, the audience reaction were all sound effects. And now, at that time, given that computers are, are just you know they, we don't even look at them as unusual anymore. They're just part of our life. They're appendages, psychic appendages. Like I imagine at that time, nineteen sixty nine was it? Yeah. So yeah. what was the what was the concept? You know, the two, the, your, the computer was this a two thousand and one style? Right, the, the, we had two guys sitting in front of a computer. Right. A giant saying, thing, right? A giant. Yeah, and he says, I've never programmed a program before. Uh-huh. And he's heard computer sounds, and it was all of the stuff that at that point you couldn't even do. Like a Moog synthesizer. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. it. It was Moog. And yeah. the Moog synthesizer, yeah. you, you're the only one that remembers yeah. that. Moog synthesizer was the soundtrack. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it, it was, was like one guy that could play one of those. That's right. And yeah. so we, we scored the show. Somebody. We scored the yeah. show with the Moog synthesizer. Yeah. And when they saw the pilot, yeah. they, they increased the buy, the buy. They went from 13 to 18. Uh-huh. And it was uh, Bristol Myers. Who and was the star? Who was the cat? There was none. It yeah. was just all, you know, the opening of the show was a little old lady on a motorcycle. She yeah. says, hi, boys and girls, time to turn on. Yeah. And she gunned the motorcycle and went back through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> always funny. That would be funny today, George. That, it's that, always funny. You put an old you, person on a vehicle. You hurt a little <laughs> old lady and you're a winner. <laughs> But the thing was, the thing was, there was a guy in Cleveland, some brain donor owned a station back there, yeah. and he wanted to keep Peyton Place on the air. Yeah. And re- turn on, replace Peyton Place. Yeah. So he called all of the affiliates and said, we can't allow this to happen. So he called the affiliates, and as the show aired in New York and came across the country, they were canceling it one station at a time. Was that a, was that a, a political move or just a guy that they liked just, Peyton Place? Yeah, he, he was liked a, Peyton Place, and he also did not like that this didn't have a political base it had no base what it was looking funny at everything yeah right and uh uh, so anyway it was canceled by the time it got to california and i had told him i said let's put it on the air and then i'll 
back off a little bit, yeah. and we'll do a thing about it being canceled. I laid it all out. Yeah. The only thing was it came true. Well, so that was, so it didn't even air, really. What, air one, it, it one, aired. one episode? <laughs> no, it aired one episode in New York, yeah. and by the time it got to California, it had been canceled. <laughs> and it was <laughs> we had Tim Conway trying to commit suicide, and it had a, a nun trying to break into a vending machine that said the pill on it. I mean, there were, were things that would be problems. How is that not political? Well, it was. was. You sought to piss off exactly who you pissed off. Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I definitely appreciate that. But it, it seems to me that the programmer, you know, who had the syndicated stations, you know, was like, fuck these hippies. But see, anger anger is one of the emotions that's okay to stimulate. I got, I got no problem with it, but I'm just you, wondering. You make a living on it. I what do you mean? You, but I'm, I'm just wondering if I'm just trying to cite uh, whether or not the, the, the reason it didn't have a life was because of conservative forces. Yeah, 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 and it was because this one guy, and it was it was pretty shocking. And yeah. Then, but I said we'd back off the next week. There was no next week. That was it. But one of my proudest accomplishments. <laughs> but but laughing was still on, so you didn't. Laughing was still on. Laughing was still on. We laughing got a fifty share. We were getting. <laughs> that doesn't even. That, those words don't even aren't even said anymore. Right, no one knows right. what that is, and like how like those. It's it's like the Henry Ford shit. Like you know, like when did that happen? Well, yeah, and see. I was there. Arrogant today is trying to say fuck on the air. Yeah. That, no, we tried to avoid it. We did the Farkle family, and we did look that up in your <laughs> funk and wagnall. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we never did get to that, yeah. but we always, there was always the threat. Where'd you start? I mean, how did it start for you in show business? Oh, where do you come from? God. Well, where you came from is more colorful than where I came from. I don't know. I got well, a Jewish New family Jersey. from Albuquerque. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they started in Jersey. Started in Jersey. <laughs> Everybody does. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, one of the places. <laughs> Jersey, Lower East Side. <laughs> Actually, Jersey's the second stop, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you wound up here in this wonderful place. Yeah. Oh, God. You're Jewish? No, I wanted to be, but yeah. the operation scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't spare it. Anyway, but, I mean, it's a long, long story. My mother was a concert violinist. My aunt was a concert pianist. I worked with the St. Louis Municipal Opera when I was a kid. You grew up in St. Louis. Yeah. Pre-Arch St. Louis. Well, yeah, and... Uh, then we spent some time in East St. Louis. Yeah. I was the last white guy out of East St. Louis. Uh-huh. Uh, that was colorful. But then we came out here. The story The story will take up your whole program. And no, I get it. very get it. boring. Well, I think we've met a few times. I feel like I've done a show of yours at some point. I oh, feel I'm like sure the, you have. I mean, I, 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 you could be my kid. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I feel like it, like I met you at the Laugh Factory years ago. You were producing something. And you, 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 it's just the comedy one, people. One of my jobs was at Ciro's. And Ciro's became the comedy store. That's right. Well, that fascinates me. I know you know my buddy Cliff Nesteroff, who yeah. Well, he oh. must, he must, he must, what he must, a piece of work Has he, he moved is. into your house yet? He's trying to. <laughs> what a piece of work. He, the condition is that I would move out. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. What if a it, piece of work he is. Can you imagine him walking into my office with that little silly hat? With the silly hat and his curiosity? Oh, his, his, God. His a, nerd intelli- you know, encyclopedia <laughs> of the history of comedy, bringing up people, third or second you know, stringers he's that the, only you would know. He's the only person alive that knows some of those people. Herky Styles. Who knew Herky? Herky Styles, but did me. you know Herky Styles? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's why Cliff loves you. Oh he, yeah, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Cliff came in. I was amazed that he yeah. had done the research he has. Oh, know? he loves it. He and loves it. We, so, but Ciro to play the interview we did one night. They almost closed the place. But he he is as knowledgeable as anybody about the history of show business. Yeah, well, I think he, he. Well, I think he's a new generation of uh, of that, that, and it doesn't really exist anymore. You know, there were guys that used to do what he does. You know, years ago, but I don't think there's anybody as curious and as thorough with it, and and saving and sort of bringing, you know, making sure the 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 legacy of these 
<laughs> these B level comics is is intact. But see, they they were B level. B level is a, de, a definition or description. That, well, I just that, mean guys that people don't know. Is that's maybe it. It's that's better. it. Yeah, yeah. That's a better uh, description. Uh, I remember one time we were doing a comedy awards, and I and I, and I wanted to to uh, book. Uh, well, B.S. Pulley was another guy that yeah. I knew very well, right? Yeah. But uh, uh, what's he famous for? The, you know what the BS stands for? Yeah. BS Pulley was the most obscene comic in the world, you know, other than uh, uh, the woman, you know. Yeah. And uh, the uh, woman, which one? Oh God! Uh, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. See, the memory's the third thing to yeah, go. Yeah, sure. yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sad. It should be the first. I know it's not. Unfortunately, <laughs> first thing went twice. No. I, by the way, I'm having a hell of a good time in here. Oh, I good. like this little. I like this little environment. It's not too hot. No, no. Oh, I'm good. Gonna, I'm trying. I was on the way out here. I was trying to figure out how to move you into town. Yeah. But it would be pointless. No, I don't want to go this back. This only works here. It is. Yeah, you gotta you gotta take the full trip. Mm-hmm. B.S. Pulley. B.S. Pulley. And, well, their mom's Mabley was right, in that's there. It, you that's know, right, yeah. And Bell Barth yeah. was the other one. Yeah. B.S. Pulley and Bell Barth worked one night together at the Macombo and the Stonestead Strip. Yeah. The most obscene language you ever heard in your life. Yeah. You know? But he was funny. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway. But, but that existed, and people don't know about that guy. Well, they don't, unfortunately. It's just as well that they don't, because, you know, now now today, the use of the language is abused. Once you, you once you drop the F-bomb on the stage, you can't say anything else. That is the joke. Right, but you know, you know what you don't, you, you don't get is that, like, at that time, and I still think at this time, when you're in a live situation and somebody's out there on the ice doing dirty shit, it still has an impact. Yeah. You know, like, it still feels kind of weird and kind of uh, uh, electric and kind of wrong. Like, I can imagine seeing people like that and back in the day on the strip, even Red Fox, yeah. you know, early Richard Pryor, yeah. you know, or, you know, in, or Lenny Bruce. I don't know if you knew Lenny Bruce. Oh, those are all my buddies. Right. So, like, I would imagine seeing Lenny, whether he was funny or not, was a very visceral and raw thing. Like, you knew you were kind of... Like something's yeah, like happening yeah. with this. Lenny guy. didn't get in trouble, by the way, for dirty language. He got in trouble because he pissed off a judge, right? No, it was religion. Yeah. Religion was what hung up Lenny. What the Catholics? Yeah, I mean, and his his jokes about religion, about the Pope, and about Jesus. You know that that's what they couldn't tolerate. The language they could tolerate. They could have worked with the language. They could they could have worked with the language. <laughs> Lay off of Jesus. If he had just left God alone, he'd still be around. But did you know him like through the transition? Did you know him before he? A little bit. Yeah, I didn't know him real well. Yeah, but I was in working at Ciro's and then yeah, the crescendo and the. End what of year the... was that? Whether you were at Ciro's? It must have been right <sighs> before it became nothing. Like but wasn't it, there a period there where it was just empty in a rent space? No, it was it was the best club. I mean, yeah, it was no, the but Copa after, New York. Like, right after that, then what happened was the business changed, yeah. and so I convinced the owner to turn the main room into a restaurant and take that little room and back and turn it into a little nightclub, a little place. It became that became the Cirouette Room. Right. And the opening show was Diane Carroll and Jimmy Comac doing what? Doing comedy uh-huh. and just as that little room. In the original room. Yeah. That's the original room the, now, the, before the, the comedy store became the comedy store. Yeah, the, and the, the rest front room was a restaurant. front room used to be Ciro's. The we, big room. Yeah. The main room. Martin and Lewis and Danny Thomas and everybody worked What year the, were you there managing it? Must have been 52, something like and that. And who were the headlining acts? Martin and Lewis, yeah. uh, Danny Thomas, yeah. uh, you know, all of them. And yeah. Red Skelton. Yeah. Red Skelton? Yeah, Red Danny Skelton. Thomas? Red Skelton was interesting. He had this whole God image, you know? Yeah. But his dress rehearsal was the filthiest thing you ever saw in your life. And and he had this wonderful, God, God love, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so one day they taped it by accident, 
They and they, they weren't supposed to. He fired the whole staff. Yeah. But Red was a piece of work. Yeah, Red Skelton was. Oh, How yeah. so? Like I remember watching his show when I was a kid, the variety show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He come out with, as the clown and yeah. he did the faces. God love you know, he, yeah, he, <laughs> well, How was he a piece of work? Well, he it, it, there were two Red Skeltons. There was the on stage Red Skelton and there was the after hours Red Skelton. And I imagine you saw that with a lot of people. A lot. Dan, Danny <laughs> Thomas also wasn't the, quite the you know, Jesus freak he pretended to be. Hey, who the hell did I talk to? Who was it? It was a big. Was it Norman Lear who yeah. started writing for Danny? Thomas? Thomas, yeah. like, was that who it was? Simmons and Lear, yeah. Okay, good. All right, I'm yeah. glad I have some memory. Mine's going too. That's good. That's good. But Norman Lear, Norman Lear is a godsend. We should thank whoever created Norman Lear. We should thank him. But uh, but so like this this on stage off stage thing is sort of fascinating to me. Given that I've been in show business now for like more than half of my life, yeah. There, there. You know, part of what makes show business great is it's not so much the parties, but it's it's actually backstage. Just being backstage, knowing yeah. that you're about to enter that other space. Yes. And obviously, how how people use that backstage space can can vary, you know. And, and there's extreme. So what? Uh, Red Skelton was a, a drinker. Well, he did a lot of stuff. I mean, but he was he was a lovely man. Yeah. But his offstage uh, material and language was uh, was much different than the image he had on stage. So was Danny Thomas. Yeah. Well, but but uh, was it was it funnier? Was it better? Oh, it was. <laughs> It was much better if you were like nine years old, you know. And I, I did the first Danny Thomas specials. You yeah, know? yeah. And so we, uh, I remember we were going up to Vegas to, to book one of the shows. Uh-huh. As we're getting on the plane, he kisses his hand. He goes, "Goodbye, God. I'll see you when I get back from Vegas." <laughs> and that, and he did. <laughs> well, are all those stories true about Danny Thomas? <laughs> oh yeah, it would have been impossible for anybody to live up to the stories about Danny Thomas. It's kind of crazy. And Milton Berle, Milton Berle is the one that would nobody could have lived up to. But he sort of he was sort of shameless about it. He used to wave his dick around, didn't he? I'm the only person I know that ever saw it real. I uh, thought a lot of people saw it. Well, not like this. Yeah. I, <laughs> What, what did you do, I, I was I was like nine years old. I was producing the Dinah Shore show. Mm-hmm. Dinah wanted to do more comedy, and my whole background was comedy. Yeah. So, so I'm producing my first show is Milton Berle. With and, Dinah Shore. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Milton Berle walks in, closes the door, yeah. and drops his pants and his shorts. Yeah. And I see this anaconda, you yeah, know, and yeah. I went, oh, my God. And he inserts a, a suppository that looked like a submarine. Yeah. And he's, oh, boy, these things are killing me. And then he says, now, what did you want to talk about? Well, you can't after you've seen, after you've seen that. <laughs> and then for the next five days, he'd slap me on the cheek. And he said, how old are you? How old are you? You're going to tell the king? You're, how old are you? <laughs> and finally, after about a week of this, I said, Mr. Burrell, I'm not very old, and I wouldn't ever tell the king what's funny. But if yeah. you touch me once more, I'm yeah. going to knock you on your ass, and I know I'll get a laugh. Yeah. The greatest moment, he looked at me and he said, what took you so long? <laughs> he wanted me to, to stand up to him. He was, he, was, he was a piece of work. Did you, do you think he was uh, great? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Milton Berg was one of the greatest technicians of all time. In terms of uh, joke terms craft? Of timing and, yeah. and craft. And, I mean, he taught comedy. He was, yeah. he was brilliant. And at that time, like, you know, there's a lot of conversation. This is something that's interesting to me uh, somewhat, is that, you know, over the last decade, the idea of joke theft uh, has become sort of paramount in uh, in attacking people. Sure. Which, you know, is understandable. If someone has an original bit, uh, you know, fuck it, you know, you don't want to steal it. But, you know, you read Cliff's book, or I'm sure you've seen, that all those guys back then were sharing jokes. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, well, see, but you didn't have, back then, there was, somebody would do a joke at the Copa in New yeah. York, and two hours later it would be on stage at Ciro's. But 
There wasn't the communication. Now there's this wealth of access to everybody's material. Right. And, but also, uh, but also, like there, it wasn't until the the late fifties and the sixties that you got these guys who were point of view comics, who were personality driven, who who the premium was put on creating your own material. I mean, that didn't really happen till later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, well, you didn't really have the windows until later. You mm-hmm. know, as as television came along, you had more more ability to put it out in the window. And, uh, uh, comedy, comedy is such a fragile thing, but it's a, a valuable part of our environment. That's of why I'm course. proud to view what you're doing here. Of course. Now, tell me about the variety show because, like, when you were at Ciro's or wherever, did you was that your first job in show business, Ciro? No, I, well, I'd been with the. Uh, uh, it's a really long story. I want. I, Started out booking piano, <laughs> booking piano players for MCA. So you, oh, so you were like a manager, an agent, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Piano uh, players at bars and shit, yeah, clubs, and, yeah, and uh, got a gig uh, for you in Vegas in the lounge, kind of. That's shit? right. Yeah. And while, while I was out late at night, I, uh, I couldn't make any money on piano players, so I started booking strippers, and I was working for MCA. And yeah. when MCA found out I was booking strippers, they were livid. And uh, <laughs> booking strippers where at uh, all over, oh, all yeah. over. I had like a thing, I had, I had like a route where they were, were they, all working. But they weren't, there weren't strip clubs then, they were burlesque clubs. So you, you they were, they were strip clubs, they yeah. were, they were not like they are now. They right. were, you know, they, they they were more to the in the shower, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't, you know, but you, my, my, my history, my history is somewhat colorful, I not, like not as colorful as yours, by that's the way. That's not true. That's not true. Your, yours is much more colorful. You're older than me, and you were here when it was a small, dirty world. And I'm still here. Yes. And guess what? What? Uh, if, to me, now, this sounds weird. Yeah. I think this is the beginning. I think we have such a window now uh-huh. with all the new media and all the new devices and all the new technology and subject matter and access to information. If we use it right, yeah. we can really revolutionize the whole world for the better. Because the comics, the comics are what will make our survival. I, well, they'll they'll certainly help. There's got to be some check. I think they're they're functioning as a pretty good check on power. You, yes. you know, but it is uh, again the fragment fragmented media landscape. I don't know. I want to believe you, uh, but but I think that market forces, uh, you know, are, are more powerful in that they keep making new outlets and new ideas and new things and, and they new say, rules, right? And they keep paying people less and less, and then you know they get you on the you know, whatever. You know, yeah, I, I'm nostalgic for a time, not only for three networks, but when Hollywood, like, because, like, I look at, like, uh, like the the Dinosaur show that you did. That, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you did how many years of that? It's a lot of years, it's right? a lot of years. I also did the Judy Garland show. So well, those two shows, when yeah. you look at the list of guest stars, yeah. see, these are people that, that, that you, you basically put on the entire neighborhood yeah. of Hollywood, and whoever was still alive and still around, whether they were working or they weren't working, stars from movies, comics, singers, That's right. and there were, there were hundreds of them, and and in my mind, they hold this mythic place because no one knows them anymore. You know, like if you go and you you look at the list of people like, uh, oh, my God, just for Dinah Shore, Edie Adams, Julie Andrews, Paul Anka, Eve Arden, Cliff Arquette, Pearl Bailey, Tony Bennett, <laughs> Polly Burke, Joey Bishop, That's Pat right. Boone. Like these, like it, this, you look at this list. And it's like the entire, like you must have had the whole town in. That's right. And, and we did it once a week on Sunday night and we did it live. Yeah. And everybody seemed to, like, am I wrong in thinking that everyone knew each other? It was a community. The and business was smaller and, and everybody you was. You got it. That's it. And it, it, like it was a new business in a way. Well, it's, yeah. It's, now it's so vast. It's, and there's so many agents and managers and, and, uh, you and know, it's so fragmented. I, I guess, like, you know, when you watch those roasts or whatever, you know, you're sort of like, I really wanted to believe that everybody knew each other and everybody kind of. They did. They did. 
They did. Uh, but I saw the, the yeah. It see, it's not gone. It's just different. And what we need, what we need is is a real revolutionary. Okay. And, and maybe my, my, my time has finally arrived. Mahalia Jackson you had on there many times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, she was a Michael great, Jackson. Anyway. great singer. Huh? Great uh, singer, huh? Pearl Bailey. And oh, my, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Al Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened at like the variety show in it? Because when I grew up, I remember, what do I remember? I remember laughing. I remember the Smothers Brothers a little bit. But I remember Sonny and Cher, Tony Orlando, and Dawn. Yes, yes. That, you know, Carol Burnett show. Yes. That format. Yes. You know, when did that come to be? Like, when did that, you know, how was well, that the it format? Grew out of, it grew out of vaudeville. Uh-huh. And some of it grew out of burlesque and mm-hmm. so forth. But it grew out of vaudeville. And they would come in and they would bring, you know, now today, nobody wants to do uh, their their hit. Somebody they want to introduce their next song. Yeah. So you don't have the the magic we had then. They would come in and uh, uh, sing whatever it was that was familiar. Whatever it but was the, they were. But the idea for. was you had a host or a celebrity driven yes. uh, thing where you'd have some dancing, you'd have some singing, you'd do a couple comedy sketches, that's it. maybe you, a little stand up. That's it. It was a golden time. And, but, and, and there was tons of it. And that was your bread and butter. The, you were the guy, right? That's right. And, and and why do you think that format didn't hold up? Because the business changed so much, you know, and then Vegas happened, and then uh, what happened in Vegas? Well, when Vegas, uh, see, when Vegas happened, Vegas was only about four clubs in the old days. I used to work at the Frontier Hotel in Vegas. Yeah, too, when Vegas was like doing you know, what? I was a booker at the Frontier yeah. <laughs> Hotel, yeah. and it was like when Vegas was Vegas. The, well, so my my grandmother once said it was nicer when the boys ran things. It was cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was easier. Yeah, everything could be done. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I, as a result, had some friends in Vegas. And yeah. I was I was like nineteen years old. Yeah, but but I knew everybody, and I could fix anything. Oh, yeah, and like so, what were the problems? Uh, whatever the problem was, whether it was a girl or money or whatever, <laughs> or a problem, or, and so drugs. The, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd done a favor for them one time, and guy came to me. I think his name was Fungi. Yeah. And he said, I want to talk to you. I said, hey, how are you doing, Mr. Fungi? He said, yeah. look, we're very grateful to you for what you did. I yeah. said, good, that's fine. He said, we're grateful for, we want to do something for you. I yeah. said, well, you don't have to, I'm fine. No, what the, you know, you, we're grateful. You don't understand, do you? What are you? He says, we want to do something for you. What do you, what do you need? I said, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm glad I could help. Yeah. And that's it. He said, well, okay, what do you want? I don't want, look, just, I'm glad I could help. Okay, who don't you like? <laughs> No, when somebody asks you that, you get very nervous. Yeah, 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 I bet. <laughs> but it was a very colorful time in Vegas. Well, did you know, like, uh, like at that time, like, I never got to talk to Shecky Green or yes. Buddy Hackett or oh, any yeah. of those, those guys. Oh, yeah, those were all buddies. Oh, yeah. And they and my my grandparents would go to Vegas, and it used to mean something. They used to love it. It used to, you, they used to feel like you were special just yeah. when you went there. Yeah, well, it was. It was, people got dressed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And was, like, when you saw, like, because uh, you've done shows with Sammy Davis, yes. you've done shows shows with uh, Frank Sinatra and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was it different? It was a the- sense of community. They were all friends. And after after Sinatra's show, we would all go over to uh, uh, the uh, thing and we'd see the late night show with Rickles yeah. or with uh, uh, Louis Prima. Right. And there was a feeling of family. Yeah. You know? It wasn't so big. Right. And, uh, and everybody it, was hanging out. Everyone was eating everybody together. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody hung out together. It was a very colorful time. 
And and was uh, Shecky as uh, crazy as everyone oh, says? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Shecky Shecky's big thing is he said that uh, Frank Sinatra uh, saved his life. Yeah, right. I yeah, love yeah, that. I love that's, that. That's enough. Go yeah. ahead, tell it. But it was no. It was like he had done something and they were beating up on him, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Frank walked in and he said, "That's enough. <laughs> that's <laughs> so enough, he sa- fellas. Saved his life. Shecky is still one of the funniest people in the world. I know. I wanted to interview him. You know. Yeah, I why not? Why didn't he do it? Because he was mad at Cliff. Why? That's a crazy story. <laughs> well, you could get mad at Cliff. There's a whole list of reasons why you could get. Yeah, he's a pest. But not only that, but he's so damn accurate. Yeah. Well, he. Well, that's the thing. And I say pest with love. But but like I read a piece that uh, that Cliff wrote on Shecky, and it was all about the, the driving the car into the fountain, the fight yeah, to a hack. This is it, all true, right? And, you know, I, it reminded me, like, you know, I wanted to go out, take a drive out, and interview Shecky Green. I was doing a lot of the old guys, and I thought that would be great, right? <laughs> and, it, and I, you know, and I, and I read the article, and I asked, and, and I emailed a website. Shecky Green's website looked like it hadn't been touched in a decade. It hadn't. And it, right. So I, I email info at Shecky Green, <laughs> yeah. and about a week later, I get, I get an email back. It says, Shecky will do your show. Uh, this is his phone number. Don't tell anybody. Don't give his number out. Like, who the hell's asking me for Shecky Green? That's number? right. That's- so- I, I, I forget about it. And then, like, a, a few months later, I, I call the number. And it's like, hello? And I'm like, I'm looking for Shecky Green. He's like, who's this? I said, I'm Mark Marin. I emailed you about a podcast. It's like a radio show. I was, I thought, you know, you were interested in being interviews. I'm not doing any more interviews. No more interviews. I don't know where the fuck that guy got that stuff. Like, he's going off. And I just happened to know there was only one thing he could be talking about, that's and that's right. Cliff's piece. Cliff, yeah. So, so I said, I, I don't know anything about that. He goes, where did he get his fucking information? Where did he get that fucking information? Probably he, from Shaggy. Well, here's the thing. He says, he didn't say nothing about the charities, nothing, right? So he's yelling at me. And I go, look, I, all right, well, okay, I understand. Let me let me see if I can just figure out that what's going on here, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, this is, I'd never met Cliff before. And I'd never talked to him. Yeah. And it's the first exchange. Right, maybe I'd, I'd, I'd emailed him he's once. He's a lovely guy. Uh, no, I, I love him. I, I I had him in here. I talked to him all the time. So so I, I emailed Cliff. I said, look, I just talked to Shaggy Green. He's furious. And he wants to know where the hell you got that information. And I shoot that email off, and two seconds later, email comes back, and it says, he told me. That's right. Absolutely <laughs> right. And it was all true. Of course. Driving the car into the fountain, it was all, it well, was I think all he, true. I think these guys get uh, concerned about their legacy. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I did this crazy shit, but I also did this other shit to balance it out. Yeah. You know, it's that same thing you're talking about offstage and onstage, is that, you know, they're, they're monsters, they get known as monsters, but, you know, you, you, they want balance. <laughs> But their imbalance is their charm. Well, I, mean, I know, but in, in, they Green want is history. Not what you put in the window in the mental health monthly. You know right, I, mean? I get it. I get it. Sure, sure. But you worked with people like uh, like Pryor. You did a show with yes, Pryor yes. later on. What was? Yeah. I mean, what, at what phase was he at? Well, I worked when he was just a baby in the village. I worked with. with well, you were in the village too. Oh, what yeah. are you, Zelig? No, I just I was all over the place. You know, what were you a, doing in the village? You working with Manny Roth? Yes. How do you know? You know, you know a lot of people. <laughs> and but that's when I first met Richard and Richard Richard was working in a little club in the village, and of you know Richard occasionally used artificial stimulants you know I heard and that. so if people were talking he would get angry and he would lie on his back on the piano and do yeah. the whole show to the ceiling <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, and that was before he broke out right that was when when he was still yeah, doing like yeah. a more watered down version more Cosby ish yeah well Cosby Cosby took a lot from Richard. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it went back the other way. I, that's what everybody said. Well, there's a lot of myths about Cosby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of them's turning out to be true. What was he, crazy? Yeah, it's something. Sick. He was you know, sick. There's definitely, you know, it's, it's not a sympathetic position. <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah, he's a, you know, it's horrible. Richard, Richard, uh, Richard was funny, and he was very funny. He was also troubled, you know? Yeah, Manny Roth. I, the reason I know Manny Roth... Yeah. Is because uh, when I started doing comedy in the late 80s, uh, Raffi DeLugoff, oh, <laughs> Art DeLugoff's son. Yeah. Oh, there's a credit. Yeah. Uh, had to, you know, begun booking some comedy at the gate, which was, you know, sort of falling off. And there was weekend shows at the gate. And Manny Roth. Uh, I, I don't know what his affiliation was, but he was hanging around, you know, and he was in his 80s probably, yeah. you know, and he you know, said he, he always used to say I was Richard Pryor's first manager. I, I owned the Cafe Wa originally and whatever else he did. Jesus. So he was just one of those guys I met when I started out who was this old timer. But he was the real deal, right? Yeah. 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 And you knew all those guys. Oh, I worked with all of those guys. And, and I mean, and, and, and I, I enjoyed them, you know, and of course, Red Fox. I did Red Fox's first time on network television he's i think he might be one of the funniest people that ever lived is one of the funny also one of the meanest yeah yeah oh yeah did you ever hear the thing he did on the grand wizard <laughs> no i did a show called soul and it was the first all black variety show how long that last uh one show <laughs> <laughs> what year was that oh it was around uh, maybe 70 something right? why the fuck didn't that take well, it it was well. You'll know. I, I couldn't sell it there. Matter of fact, the show did very well. They ran it, and the network didn't buy it as a series because they said they couldn't cancel it because mm -hmm. the, re the reaction was so intense. Yeah, Red Fox did a thing. What do I wish for the Grand Wizard? I wish for the Grand Wizard a five car accident with no survivors <laughs> and a fire and the fire hydrants froze over from Nome to Nova Scotia and the Grand Wizard be in the fire and the Grand Wizard they put the Grand Wizard bury the Grand Wizard in a plain brown box and the <laughs> possums crawling around looking for something strange to eat and made a Lord strike the Grand Wizard with a bolt of lightning through the heart and, and, just on and on oh yeah it goes on and on the Grand Wizard and oh anyway but Red Fox was really funny but also disturbed I did a lot of stuff with Red. Have you uh, really? I did a movie with Red. I did the only black, uh, only movie ever done on videotape at the time. Yeah, what was it? Called Norman. Is that you? It was Red Fox and Pearl Bailey? Yeah. What was the angle? Well, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> well, here you go again. See, see, you were touching on all the things where I got in trouble. Uh, this was a a couple. It was a, a a white guy and a black guy, and they were a gay couple. And Red Fox was married to Pearl Bailey and came to Los Angeles to console his son because his wife had run off with somebody. Yeah. And that's the basic. And they find out that his son is gay. And when they find out, he walks in with this big, huge, gorgeous hooker. Yeah. And Pearl Bailey says, Norman, is that you? But it was it was really funny. But the reaction was so intense, they, they uh, thought they could never. It was a film? Yeah. It was, was, was a film done on videotape. It was the first movie done what on video. What year was that? Oh, God, it had to be about 70, something like that, 72 or something. Really? See, and the, the thing is, the thing is that where, where you are right now is right on the, the brink, right on the threshold of yeah. a whole new kind of show business. Because nobody, there are no rules anymore. Nobody has rules. Nobody Apparently. Has, and, yeah, 
And boy, the, the sky's the limit with what you can do now. Well, but, but the, what's interesting, though, is what you're saying is that, you know, I understand the sky's the limit, but like really, and I, and I think that's, it's optimistic and it's hopeful and I appreciate it. The sky's the limit in, in a sea of garbage. Yeah, so, but see, the, the limit is not language. The no, limit I know is that. not being I, able I, to I, use the F word. The I, limit I know is, that. The limit is being able to, to put. Uh, Obama on this show, you know. No, I get that, and and but sadly, it seems to me, you know, having watched just watched a a ten part documentary on Vietnam, yeah, that the cultural and political uh, opposition to to what we are our side or our ilk is looking at is really the same as it was in the sixties. It was invented in the sixties. Nixon's yes. silent majority. The 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 legacy of that is now in control of of our government and our country. I don't think it's in control. I think I think it's only in control because we let it be. Yeah, because of the messaging. Yeah, you know, I we get let it. it be. So, so, we... but what I'm saying is that the pushback is not unlike what you were originally pushing back against. It's the same, it's the same it's shit. A, they just need they just need somebody with enough huevos that doesn't care about losing the job to come in and have fun. See, the thing is, anger anger isn't what you need. You need humor. You need fun. You need playful. You need something. Well, well, well let me ask you this then. You know, having you know worked in all these halls, did you uh, did you know Woody Allen when he was starting? Very out? well. Yeah. So you were in the village. You were doing all this stuff pre- previous. You were booking Ciro's. You saw the transition of old timey show business into the sixties. You shepherded it in. You and and Dennis Hopper and uh, Hal Ashby and those guys. <laughs> Hal Ashby. Yeah. Yeah. But you know that the, the transition was that TV didn't know what to do. Movies didn't know what to do. So that's where you get Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Laughing, the Smothers Brothers. So there was a cultural shift that was leaning left and pushing up against what Lenny had laid out to begin with, right? Yeah. We knew what to do. It was just somebody having the huevos to do it. Right. So what 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 it seems to me that, you know, given that you, the movie you just told me about in 1972 that from early on at some point you said fuck these assholes. No. Let's go. Uh, no, no. I said I love you. I want to help you. <laughs> I, I never, no, 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 Steve. Once you say fuck you, the fight is over. You got to say, hey, babe, I love you. What do you need? And then do whatever you want. You lie to them and you can get by with it. Yeah, well, that goes on both sides, buddy. Oh, well, it does, yeah, sure. except for the fact that they've got a day job. We can stay up all night long figuring out new and exciting <laughs> diversions. So and, when, when, when you started doing, when you started making laughing, what, who was in the room? What was the angle? What was it? You know, it, was, it, was a, it was based upon a lie. I, I had been doing the uh, show called The Best on Record, which was the early Grammy Awards. Yeah. And it was, there was no award yet. They didn't even, we couldn't even make the awards until we did, got the money from the show. There was so, no Grammy Awards? But no, it was called The Best on Record. Right. And every award we gave had Henry Mancini's name on it because we had no money to make awards. Yeah. And so I was pretty much giving an award to anybody who'd show up. And this know? was a show? Yeah. And, but it was doing very well, and NBC wanted to do it again. And I said, no, guys, I've, I've done it. I don't want to do that anymore. So I said, I'll do it one more year if you let me do one show my way with no interference. No. So they said, okay. So just backing up a little bit. So basically your hustle and your, your, your thing in show business up to that point was yeah. creating these you know, yearly or monthly, not just the variety shows, the weeklies, but That's right. you found that there was a racket in special shows. Yeah. And that you could do it yearly or bi-yearly and, and make some money and, and be entertaining and not risk a lot in the sense that Racket's it's not every a great world, word because I would do anything I could 
sell. Right. So it was a racket. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you're one of the great racket, uh, racketeers and raconteurs <laughs> yeah. of show business, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it. So, so that, you know, that was how, and it, the beautiful thing about those things is if they hit, it's sort of like, we'll do another one next year and you're a genius. Well, this was, what happened is they agreed to let me do one show my yeah. way with no interference, okay. no notes, no rules. NBC. NBC. Yeah. And so we came in with this show and uh, they said, uh, uh, it was totally different. When they saw the pilot of this thing and they went crazy, they said, what is this? This is no television show. 68? Yeah, this was 68. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I had made a deal with them where I could do one show my way, and they didn't have anything to put on after the Miss America contest. Yeah, and so they they put this in just because they had nothing else to put on. But they were convinced it was a disaster, and they said you're going to have to slow it down. So I said okay, and uh, so I took some more time out, tightened yeah. it up a little. Yeah, and then they they looked at it, and uh, they laughed, and I said, well, this, you laughed, and you're the audience is smarter than you. So anyhow, they they put it on. And it got a pretty good reaction, no rating or anything. But when they saw it, they were angry. They said, what the hell is this? This is no television show. Nothing makes sense. You say, we'll be right back, and then you come right back. I said, you know. And so I said, yeah. They said, well, this it doesn't make sense. I said, no, you don't understand. The newest thing on the continent, they call it comedy verte. I made it up. Yeah. Comedy, this comedy verte. We never heard of that. I said, see how new it is? So <laughs> it was comedy verte. And they put it on and promoted it as comedy verte. You look it up. You can't find it anywhere. Which is, but, 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 I mean, why, it, it, it it makes sense, that, yeah. you know, that you're doing things that happen in the moment on television. That's right, but it didn't make sense then because right. the whole thing was, you know, my wife no, yeah. is so, you know. Yeah. And uh, so then it did, did well, and then they put it on as a series because they had nothing else, and it cost nothing. The show was very, nobody on the show you had never heard of it. Who created it? I did. With I did Rowan it. and Martin? No, Rowan and Martin. See, the show was designed as just a happening, just with comics coming in. Now, what what blew your mind in the 60s? Did you take some acid? Did you go to no, San Francisco? I, fact, what, what are you calling it a happening? Where are you getting that? Well, it was just, I was bored. Right, but you weren't you weren't part of the, I, you didn't no, go I investigate I did, I never the counterculture? I had been burned, and I'd taken so much painkiller that I couldn't do anything. I still today can't do any kind of drugs. Yeah, but. And it's sad, because I would have been a fun guy. Yeah, well, you're pretty fun. So so you <laughs> you were just on the pulse of the counterculture? Yeah, it was, bored. It was my all own, around My you. own boredom prompted me into doing different things. And when I did Dinah, it was the same thing with Judy Garland. It was the same thing. We did stuff with them that they hadn't done before. Well, what, at what phase was Judy Garland when you started working with her? Where she was, was she? great. Yeah, it, yeah, was she, how old was she? Was she, uh, she was in, in trouble? 40s. Yeah, no, she, no. She'd just gone back with Sid, Sid Loft. And, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, I wanted to do the show, but I didn't know how to audition. So I said, I didn't meet her until after I was hired. Yeah. So now my first meeting with Judy Garland, she said, so I said, so you're Judy Garland. She yeah. said, so you're George Slaughter. I said, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. So I said, I don't care what you may have heard. There's no truth to the rumor that I'm difficult. Yeah. And she said, you're difficult. I said, see, even you've heard about it. <laughs> from there, we just had fun with her. Just great fun. What made her great? It was magic. Part, part of it, Part of it was the was the uh, unbalanced. She was not a balanced person, but that enormity of that talent yeah. was so overwhelming, and her magic, and she enjoyed the audience as much as they enjoyed her. So just on all levels, she was funny. She could she was dance, funny. She, she could, could dance. Sing. She could sing, and she could drink a lot of white wine. Yeah, and she was uh, erratic. She was erratic, and then she had been married to Sid Loft. Yeah, and uh, uh, that was a he's problem. a producer, right? He was her husband. I don't know what he was, but. <laughs> And so uh, he said, you're going to do the Judy show. And he said, I want you to know, I was married to her, and I can tell her to do anything, and whatever you want, I'll handle it. Yeah. And I said, no. I said, 
Let me explain. Yeah. You're her husband. I'm her producer. Yeah. I will never come in your house. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's where we started out. And how long did you do her show? I did six of them. Yeah. <laughs> that was it? Yeah. And then uh, Judy loved me, but the network thought I was not cooperative. I mean, one of the things she sang, Old Man River. Yeah. And they said, she can't sing Old Man River. I said, she can sing the Lord's Prayer. She can sing anything she wants. But they wanted a much more traditional variety show. Uh-huh. With guest stars and so on. And this was an event. They said, well, it's just too intense. It's too high energy. So uh, then they fired me. They brought in uh, uh, Norman Jewison. Norman Jewison came in and looked at the six shows I'd done. He said, those are perfect. That's exactly what I'd do. <laughs> but, but in the meantime, I was gone. Got a lot of money. And, uh, uh, and so, but, but so then you, you started to realize that, you, you know, that the suits didn't necessarily know everything. I mean, they, you, but, did you always sort of know that? You see, they're, they're not the enemy. They're, no, that's jeopardy. See, you can do something. You yeah. can sit down at a typewriter and start from nothing and do something. You can write. You can read. You can do. And, and they, don't, they don't have those skills. And, uh, and right. So you've got to sell them on the idea, and they don't know anything. And then, like, they'll put a, 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 a mental back they'll, what they'll do is they'll, okay so this this sounds good this kid I don't it, want to interrupt you you have to sell them that it's their idea right that's a big help <laughs> right until it doesn't work and then they need someone to blame so that's they right. got to make sure they've got a network of people to blame that's that are going to take that's the hit it. you're the first one but then there's the guy the the other producer that's a part of their team he's going down yeah right see what do you want to do what do you want to do next me yeah because this is this is well this is a temporary thing with you i just did i just acted on a netflix show i, did I know I, a big hit by yeah, the way yeah it seems to be glow it's a huge hit no good can you imagine you with your background working with women wrestlers no i did sweet I did, jesus help lot, me a lot of women i worked with i know <laughs> i know it's now all, this it's all a big surprise to me george everything it shouldn't a be a big surprise you are you are a force field of energy and enthusiasm and fun yeah and there's always a place for that i like the fun part you yeah. are fun you're Bring having your, a good time okay bring you have, my girlfriend in make sure she knows you could have a good time in an avalanche i mean this is a, <laughs> i'm glad see I, you you know i must be a good hustler if you're putting this on me i you know i'm the guy that causes the avalanche george I'm not the, there, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot to be said for that <laughs> that's why i'm having a good time but what do you want to do next because it's unlimited where you're going to go. Well, you know, I just I'm taking a little break. I just did a stand up special. I did the 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 show for Netflix. I, I'd kind of like to do a nice little part in in a movie. That'd be fun. Yeah. 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 Just uh, something that works for me that I could uh, like. There's a few things I'd like to play some rock music. I, my dreams are small, George. Do I, you well, want dream give me bigger? A, okay. You you want to give me a lesson in empire building? You know what I would do when I'm yeah. one of the things we're talking. First of all, we're talking about doing a new laugh in. Yeah. And the time is right now because the facilities are there. Technology. I've got is no there. money, George. I got no. You don't. You okay. don't have money. You make money. Okay. I thought you were and, pitching it to me. Like, like yeah. No. <laughs> are you no, trying no. to make it think? Of, make me think you, it's my idea. Maybe I'll find some backers. <laughs> Hey, wait a minute. That, let me write that down. No. All right. Take this, yes. okay? What? Huh. Take that. What, people watch television now. Yeah. They don't watch it like we used to watch it. No, they don't even watch it on television. That's right. They yeah. watch it on their, their cell phone. Sure. Right? So and you make they, it they, smaller? You make the set smaller? That's right. We used to have, I've got a 30-inch set. Now I've got a 2-inch set. What is it? What happened? I don't know. People, it takes, it takes less to occupy people's mind. See, where where is there nothing? Uh, no, I mean, there's nothing on at two o'clock in the morning. That's oh, that's our market. Huh, yeah, 
Yeah, but that's but, but that's beholden to time. No one's beholden to time. No, no, nobody cares about. It. If you do a show, all right, here, yeah. try this. Okay, we do a show at two o'clock in the yeah. morning. There are no rules. Yeah. Nobody's watching. Right, but you you tape it. Your friends will tape it, and they'll yeah. run it in the morning. Nobody sits down and watches television. Yeah, they're gonna watch it the next day by in, appointment, in like we used to. Sure, we used to, eight o'clock was yeah. dinosaur show. Yeah. Seven o'clock. No, now nobody does it. They tape it. Doesn't matter what time right, it's on. Exactly. It matters when they watch it. So we do a show at 2 o'clock in the morning. There are no rules, yeah. no interference, yeah. no money, but you don't need any money right. at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. And you put that on, and then you do one show, <laughs> you do one show, and then you, you, you put on pieces of that every night. Yeah. And you do a show that airs every night, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I guarantee you people would watch it. Sure. They would wait to hear what it was you said. Yeah. And they would see what you did and who you introduced. Yeah. There are people out there who are marvelous that are not on the air because there's no room. Yeah, I, well, they are in the air. They're just not on the air in any big way. That's it. Well, what yeah. is the big way, George? Where, where, where is this place that everybody's going to go? It's, a, it's this window. Yeah. And the, the, big, the big way is the effect. Uh-huh. If you can go on the air and do some political things. Political, politics is now the, the new open window. Mm. You can say anything, and there, Donald Trump's making it so easy. Yeah. You don't even need to be in the Writers Guild. Yeah, all you have to do is quote him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were some of the obstacles you had when creating the first laughing? I mean, like oh, yeah, everything, so, everything. So, how did Rowan and Martin get involved? Because Timex wanted a host, and the yeah. show is designed without a host. Yeah, Rowan and Martin did one of the funniest nightclub acts ever. Really? So they were it wore tuxedos. They were older. You knew them. Oh, very well. From very from where did you see him in town? Uh, my wife Jolene used to do the Ernie Kovacs show, and oh. so I became very friendly with Ernie Kovacs. And he's uh, another unappreciated genius. Oh, he was he was what you would have loved Ernie. He would have loved you too. Is he a nice guy? Oh, God, delight! And uh, what was it like? What, what, what he was such he, a like an abstract thinker. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he. We used to argue all the time. Yeah, because my whole life was punchlines. Yeah, you know. And uh, he never did a punchline. And yeah. I said, Ernie, you're so close to a joke. Just one with, and it's a punchline. He said, I don't want to do punchlines. <laughs> Who needs so closure? We would argue about this. <laughs> yeah. So one night he calls me. He says, you got to come over to the studio. My wife, Jolene, was doing his show. And he'd tape at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 yeah. o'clock. So he said, you come over right now. Yeah. So I go over to the studio, and he's doing a commercial for a car. And the car's on this raised stage. And Ernie says, this wonderful automobile. And he hits the fender, and it went through the floor. Yeah. And he says, now, is that a joke? I said, yeah, Ernie, that's a joke, all right. <laughs> he just had to prove it to you. It's a that's big right. Joke. He did one, one thing to prove to me that he could do a punchline. But when Ernie died, Edie Adams wanted to go to work, and so I produced her nightclub act. Yeah. And the open, we brought Rowan and Martin in as the opening act. Yeah. And uh, they were they were they did a very funny nightclub act. They went on and on and on and on, and uh, uh, so we put them in because they, NBC wanted a host and Timex wanted a host. And no one knew those guys. Were they popular? Well, they were, yeah, they were a big time nightclub act. They yeah. were not television. They Vegas. Vegas and, and uh, Reno yeah. and whatever. And they wore tuxedos and they did the same act. They, yeah. When they left stage, they never talked to each other till the next night when they came back out on stage. No kidding. They didn't get along too well. But mm-hmm. anyhow, they were, but they was a great nightclub act. So we put them in and they would come in and they would do whatever it was they did. And uh, then, then they went on and on and on because laughing was very staccato. Yeah. So uh, uh, we would tape them. Then I brought in Gary Owens. Gary, do you know Gary? The announcer, yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I remember him from, yeah, I can yeah. see his face even. Yeah, and he, uh, he one day I'm in the men's room of the smokehouse, and he says, why, George, good evening. He said, I said whoa, wow. He said, the acoustics. And I said, Gary, that's wonderful. That's what I want you to do. He said, what? Put your thumb in your ear and say later that same evening. Yeah. And he said, that's a job. I said, it's a job. So he, <laughs> that's what 
Gary's job was. Roy Wait. Martin would be talking and talking. He'd say, was, he a, was he a classic announcer? He, that was his, he, was a, he was a radio announcer. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but he loved jokes. Like <laughs> yeah. And he would say, later that same evening, when yeah. we would cut out eight minutes of talk, and yeah. we'd be right back and go to the cocktail party. <laughs> yeah. But, and Roy and Martin worked because they were older. Yeah. Dan was very straight. Dick was silly. Yeah. And, uh, and Dan was a hell of an actor, by the way. So that was interesting. So, th- so what you were able to do with that is 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 sort of uh, link the the two culture, youth culture, and and what was before. So yeah. they they appeared conservative in 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 looks, and and their age was the right yeah, age sure. for the audience. Yet they were sort of at odds with the entire cast. Well, Dan, Dan, Dick went back and forth between right. the crazies and Dan. Yeah. Dan was straight. Dan did a character that I loved. He did General Bull Wright. Yeah. And he went, General Bull Wright here. He yeah. said, you know, smoke him if you've got him. He right. said, and he said, uh, we, while we're fooling around with this little war in Southeast Asia, we need a big war. What this country needs is an annual war. He was a war freak. Yeah. And we put him on espousing what the right was saying anyhow. Right? Yeah. And uh, they, they loved him because yeah. he was saying their message, and we loved him because it was anti-war. Right. <laughs> so it worked both it cut both ways. That's right. So but then it worked it worked because NBC had nothing to put on opposite Lucille Ball and Gunsmoke. They were the number one and two shows. And so we put it on at eight o'clock Monday night. There was no way to get a rating. Yeah. And we put it on and uh, about the fourth show, Sammy came down the hall and we were we, we were fooling around with an actor that used to be Pigmeat Markham in the Sam, old Sammy days. Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis. Here comes the judge. He, and so I said, Sam, that's what we've got to do. So he came in at 2 o'clock in the morning, and we taped him going down the hall in the yeah. white wig. Here come the judge. Well, we put that into the next show, just dropped it in. Here come the judge. It didn't have to make sense. It was Sammy in a white wig. And we put it on, and uh, uh, the next week, the next about three days later, after the show had aired, the people, the Supreme Court justices came in and sat down on the bench, and as they came in the room, somebody in the audience said, here come the judge, and the entire courtroom cracked up because the judges didn't get a lot of laughs. They, right. get, them, they get them now, but sure. they didn't get them then. So it landed. Yeah, and then, then everybody said, here come the judge. Didn't you have pig meat on the show too? Yeah, yeah. 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 We dug him up. Yeah. Man, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but see, we, what would happen is anything that was funny, yeah. we had Digby Wolf and, and on one side, and then we had Paul Keyes, who was Nixon's closest friend on the other, and he was he was to the right of right, you know? These are writers? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but Digby Digby was brilliant. Digby had been with the Goon show and the running jumping standing still. Digby was How many there. writers are on the show? About at that point about 12. Now was it true that you know in talking to people about the SNL lore that you know that you guys would write it one place and then they 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 deliver the scripts and you shoot it somewhere else or were the writers on set? Where do you get this stuff? I I, I I'm not sure. The writers were in the beautiful Toluca Capri Motel. <laughs> and there were a group of people who who were outcasts. One yeah. of them had been a professor of political science in Bemidji, Wisconsin. Yeah. Another one was a hopeless junkie. Another drunk. But they were funny, and they how'd were all, you find them? Just found them. You know yeah. how'd I find you? This I, is an accident. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're but, just uh, wandering the neighborhood. Just, yeah, and where's and, my car? And, <laughs> Am I in Beverly Hills? And and they people that made me laugh. Yeah, and, uh, uh, looked at material. One of them was Don Rio, who's a big writer today. You know, yeah, big producer. And we would bring them in, and then Digby Wolf would have these meetings, and they would sit down and they would write. It was just a vast amount of material we needed. Yeah, and they would come in and do it, and then we'd put it on stage and tape it. How did you find the cast? How who were the original players? Artie Johnson was selling clothes at, at Carol's, <laughs> and he was they did voices. Yeah, and he came over to the house one one Easter morning. 
dressed as a, a German, and he was the Easter Nazi, and he yeah. was putting Easter eggs. And he was just, he was funny, he was outrageous. That was the they very to, interesting. That's right. Yeah. They used to bring in a linguist once a week to listen to what Artie had said to be sure it wasn't some foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Ruth Buzzy had been with the Dom DeLuise. And what was Bo- that? Were they a team? Would, yeah, when they did Shagundala. And, uh, what is that? It was a, an act they did with a magician, <laughs> Ruth Buzzy, who's one of the sweetest, most talented women. In, and in, she played the lady with the purse. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, Joanne Worley. Sure. And uh, uh, Goldie, of course, walked in, and I said, she was a dancer. So I said, well, come in. And she said, well, what am I going to do? I said, I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> Goldie <laughs> but, on. But whatever you're going to do, we're going to get it wrong. Yeah. And she came in, and we never let her read. We're going to get it wrong because yeah, she was—that's made her funny. We, we never, we never let her rehearse. Goldie, Goldie would—we never give her a script. No, Goldie, you'll be fine. Just to, <laughs> and when she, we, she would do an introduction, and we would change the words just to screw her up. You know, a delightful woman. And of course, then Lily, Lily was a godsend. Yeah, I mean, where'd that. you find her? Lily Tomlin. Uh, I'd seen her. She was auditioning for the Gary Moore show. And, uh-huh. uh, uh, she, she was doing a, a tap dance with taps uh, taped to the bottom of her, barefoot tap dance. Uh-huh. And I just loved it. And I could never find her. <laughs> what do you mean you could never find her? I could never. Well, because where are you going to find her? You go looking for a barefoot tap dancer. There weren't any, you know? Right. And uh, yeah. so, then, so then I saw her uh, uh, do a thing on a show that she did. It was a... a um, a rubber freak. It was a woman who ate rubber, and she was a junkie for rubber. And uh, uh-huh. she was cured. She went to the psychiatrist and, and th- knelt down to thank him and ate his galoshes. And I said, I must have this woman. So Lily came, <laughs> Lily came in. Nobody auditioned for laughing. Yeah. They came in, and I said, I like that, and I hired her. And what a delightful experience. Like a circus. It was It was a circus, but it was it was a circus, and it was everybody having fun. But you had you also had, I mean, Richard Dawson was on there. Yes, yes. And he, and he went on to Hogan's Heroes, and the other guy from Hogan's Heroes, too, right? Uh, Larry Hovis. Uh, yeah, Larry Hovis. And, uh, who, who we did else? a thing with Larry Hovis one night, and he said, uh, uh, today, uh, well, I, I can't remember, I have to think about it, because it was like... Uh, 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 it was the first time first successful transplant of a liver with transferred from uh, 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 di- uh, uh, Larry Oz. Yeah. So uh, liver transplant. We might we're off to see the liver, the wonderful liver of Oz. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> and <laughs> that was it. Oh yeah. And that was the bit. That was the bit. And Larry, Larry was brilliant. And brilliant. Henry Gibson, of course, who was like sort of like a unique. Yeah, Larry guy. came. Yeah, yeah. Henry, Henry Gibson. Came, Henry came in with the poetry. Did, did a poem and a backflip. I remember flip. the poetry. He did a poem and a backflip, and I loved him. Yeah, and, I mean, it's and so Joanne Worley I hired on the phone. And that voice, I said, this is a wonderful. With that laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird because like, I remember seeing this too young. Like, I, What was I? I was like uh, seven years old, six years old. And my parents would watch it. And it was all those quick cutaways. They added See, nowhere. You, you watched one show. Your parents watched another. You saw the girls, the bikinis, and the trapdoors, and the water. Well, I got a kick and, out and of, yeah, Ruth Buzzy and, and right, the yeah. Nazi. And, you know, yeah, no, I got it. I got, like, you know, what was... But there were jokes there you didn't get. Of but course. you didn't have to. The color and everything. Oh, Your yeah. Your parents saw a different show. And everybody's sort of swinging around. I remember there's everyone sort of dancing in and out of things. Let me ask you. Is that true? I, should I do another one? Yeah. Who would I'm you think, cast? I'm thinking about it. There are people out there who, the only show using these people is Saturday Night Live. Right. 
I mean, but there are people Tom, out, there out here, yeah, they're who, tons. who grew up on. Well, on well, the question is, what would be the cultural signifier? Because right then, you know, the '60s and the fashions of the '60s were being appropriated by yeah. the mainstream. Yeah. So there was, you know, a, a, a sort of across the board new fashion, yeah. and it was like kind of sexy and swingy and half hippie and and half mod. Yeah. You know, and and that grounded the whole show aesthetically. Yeah. How would you ground this show aesthetically now? First thing I think I would do. Right? Yeah. Is probably bring you in as an advisor. <laughs> because, because, you're what first, I just said. First, first of all, you're crazy and yeah. you are a little bit weird. Yeah. And, but you are tuned into the culture. A little and, bit. Yeah. And we don't want to be at the center. We want to be on the periphery of it. We want to do things that nobody's doing. Well, I think I think one of the things that you guys did that I think that could work, and it, and, it, and I think it comes from the original variety shows, is that there are definitely separate, um, you know, huge markets and bubbles of show business. Yes. You know, there, there's pop and there, you know, musically, you know, there's very they, they seem very distinct to me, and I think that's happening with with acting and comedy and everything else. That you know, because the market is fragmented so much that there just like you know like you got people that watch certain shows that don't know what else is going on that are very progressive then you got people that are watching very mainstream shows but i think what the variety shows did to create the sense of community back in the day was you just cross-pollinated with all these different things with ease not like it's a freak show like everybody sort of fit in under the bubble of show business right yeah so i think it really becomes about using these these people that really don't uh, interact much uh, no. in the marketplace to do these fun things. And finding a way to piss them all off equally. Okay. And, and to them, then, because what you got offended with here, you like there. And we, if we can do that as a, as, a, as a happening, as a whirlpool of energy and fun and laugh, and without, we, we had no agenda other than just to be funny. But, but you did want to, I mean, but come on, you had a little bit of an agenda. Oh, yeah, sure, but you were never aware of it because the next joke was so fast that you, you never really understood what we'd said the last time until it was too late. Now, now Hart and uh, Michael, Lauren Michaels and Hart Pomerantz yeah. wrote for you briefly. Yeah, they, they came in from Canada and uh, Lauren Martin loved him. And NBC loved him because he was a sane voice in this wilderness of, of tumult and trouble and fun and happenings you know oh really he came out as the well he came out guy. very well he came out kind of sane and quiet and he yeah. was with dan and dick dan and dick loved him mm. and uh so what uh, do you mean like he's a good politician he just he just he schmoozed he yeah. was he was great i wasn't mm-hmm. you know uh, uh do, do you think that you know his experience with you uh, influenced oh his sure show? oh sure it did but then he went on to new york and he he did this show uh uh and and let's face it, the man forty years on the air—that's a record, man. Sure, and he did it. But and it started out as a variety show, yeah, uh, with yeah. with a with a floating host. And and then he did the news, which is what we did. Yeah, you know. And he did. I God love him. He's done a whole thing about reactivating late night television or creating late night television. Now, when you do these other gigs that you do, you, you still do you still do the comedy awards? No, I stopped because it just got too. It wasn't that much. The sitcoms were all about sex, and the variety shows. It, it was just. It was a bad time, you know. So now we may do it again. Too now. broad. I mean, like well, how no, you... it was just. It got kind of seedy, you know. <laughs> the monologues. The monologues were all were all dirty, and the sitcoms were all just sex. And there was a whole period there where there was not political humor, and uh, I wasn't having fun anymore. And wait, wait, where do you? Um... But I may do I may do the comedy awards again, and I'm I'm really seriously thinking about doing laughing. Well, how do you it. feel about the roasts coming back? 
You like them? Yeah, yeah. The roasts are great. They did one uh, last night with the, uh, uh, you know, like a real oh, an in-house one at the yeah. Friars. No, no, it was. Uh, uh, but anyhow, it was a good show, and <laughs> and it's great. But <laughs> but it's it's a one joke kind of a thing, you know. It's yeah, it's a oh yeah, well yeah, it's people shitting on a guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but, yeah. <laughs> but the world out there. First of all, te- technically, we can do so much more. Research-wise, we have access to more information, and and uh, very quickly. And the audience is there with nothing to do. They're, they're they've got this vast vast prairie of of available entertainment, but there's no focus. And they, well, I like the idea of doing something with the pace of laughing yes. with the what we have. Uh, now, uh, you know, production-wise, I think that one of the things that made oh, yeah. laughing interesting was that there was a tremendous pace to it, but it all happened in real time. And the other thing is, there's a new, there's a new breed out there. There's no these doubt. people working on the internet. You, what, what is this? No I mean, doubt. I would come in here with a camera. There's a new, there's a new arena out there, and we're not really taking advantage of yeah, it. Yeah, but I know, but I think that the show would have to be live. I think no, that, that's one you of. Could never do it live. No, not live on camera, but live to tape. Like I, I yeah, think that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to you know, start showing clips and you don't want it to be real people. You did real people. Yes. I think that sort of started something. Yes, the reality television was yeah. the first one. Uh, and that did well for you, huh? Very well. We did 145 <laughs> of those. That paid the mortgage. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been very lucky. I've gotten fired a lot. You know, I think Byron Allen's still on TV. Is he? I think so. God somewhere. He's him. always like, you know, all of a sudden you, you get a call. He's, it's like Byron Allen wants you to do a show. He's like, he's got a show? And you go out to some hangar somewhere. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then, but, and then charge you for parking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh, I forget what it's called. Byron he's, Allen. I, I love Byron. He was on. He, he did a Carson show, and I saw him, and I said, "This kid is good." We didn't have any black, and we didn't yeah. have any young. Yeah. So we hired him to come in. He was like 16, 17 years old. Really? And so we brought him in, and uh, so I hired him to do some shows. We had a, an ex Green Beret producer, Bob Long. He was, uh, you know, and Bob Long. I sent him out with him, and Bob Long calls calls me. Says, "We're going to kill him." I said, "What, Bob?" He said. He said he's having them carry his things. He won't come on until we're ready to shoot. He's talking about the Byron Allen T-shirts. He said we're going to kill him. So I said, I said, he's thinking big. Yeah. So I said, Byron, I went to a meeting. He said, Well, I'm not of it. Yes, you are. Come in now. Yeah. So Byron came in, and I said, Byron, you understand? Half of the world hates you because you're young. Yeah. The other half of the world hates you because you're black. Yeah. I hate you because you're stupid. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. We're not going to do that anymore. And then he behaved himself, and uh, he went on, and he went on, and and his mother is his manager. Yeah, Byron's a bright little guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, No, he works his angles, and he's always on television. Yes, but see, my point is, is that like, how much did you? How much were you influenced by? Just dawned on me that the pace of of laughing is sort of Marx Brothersy. My own, my own. You like the Marx Brothers? Yeah, I loved them. I knew. I did Groucho's last variety show. Uh, uh, How old was he? Oh, he was very old. Very old. Always, uh, he seemed like a great guest at uh, at parties. Oh yeah, parties. I called him up. and said, "Groucho." I said, "Mr. Mark, my name is George Slaughter." He said, "That's your problem." <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, "We want you to do the Bill Cosby show." He said, "Who is he?" And I said, "He's he's a comedian. I never heard of him." He said, "Is there any money?" I said, "I said, yeah." He said, "That's not enough." I mean, he just abused me on the phone. Some, and he came in and said, "That's down. your problem." That's your problem. <laughs> And he was delightful. Oh God! But my Groucho Marx stories go on and on and on. Oh, but, that's so funny. See, what I'm what I'm worried about yeah. is is we've we've now 
become nonconformist like everybody else. I mean, there's, there's a world, there's a new horizon out there with the technology, with the subject matter, with the acceptability but of Do you subject. like what SNL's doing right now? Uh, some of it, yeah. Some of it, I think, it's, it's too long, and uh, it, it depends on the host entirely. Yeah. Uh, if we do laughing again, I won't have a host. I'll just have, you know, different stars come in and talk. Really? Yeah. Why? I mean, why who has to say, good evening, I'm your host? The minute you do that, the show, whole show takes another thing. I guess, but like that seemed to be the the anchor of the the original idea was to to find that that somebody to move that through. The original to, idea, the the cast is what makes the Saturday no, Night know, Live. No, I get that, but but then it's just sketches. You well, know, it doesn't like, have to be. I mean, it can, you know, there's there, there's so many possibilities now that we don't. Uh, uh, explore because we want to be a nonconformist like everybody else another saturday night live you don't need another saturday no night i live. know that i know that's why i'm saying well, why, what you need why, what you why, need is a new form well why wouldn't i guess but like i wouldn't if, do a musical number in a new but show you're saying that everyone's a nonconformist but it sounds to me that that there's something about some of these older structures that have been forgotten yes and that might work again it would it would if you took today's but the no host idea i don't understand that i don't know who the host would be but it would seem i don't either huh the, the first thing I do would not be who's going to be the host. The cast is no, what made laugh. Of course, of course, uh, yes. But like the the host, you know, given their dynamic, sort of functioned as this strange straight man, even does though it, they had their does own. Does it have to? No. Okay. But I no. haven't seen that in a while. Why? Have you? Yeah, because everything is host, host, host. Who's going to be the host? Well, no, what do you mean? Who's the? Tell me a hosted variety show that isn't a talk show. Well, yeah, go on. There aren't any. That's right. So. So it's time. And now you tell oh, me no. you don't want to host. Ti- it's time for a new show that breaks all the rules. When I do another laugh, there are no rules to break. That's right. But, but, but so we conform to the non-rules. When I do a new oh, laugh, and it won't have a host. It hurt my brain. No, yeah, it'd go be ahead. good for you. I would like. Matter of fact, I would drag your sorry <laughs> ass in there to do it because because you have you have the proper uh, outrage uh, and the proper awareness of what's going on in the in the culture. Yeah, you kind of. No, you do. You do. You you're. You're super hip. You were hip when the rest of the world was still hip. Ugh. No, so, yeah. I, well, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I like I'm thinking about laughing and how exciting it was. Yeah, it would and be I, again. It I, would be more now. Yeah, because now you have you have access to the new. There's a lot first. of characters around, dude. There oh. definitely is a lot of characters. That's around. That's right. Why not? Why give that time to a host who's already famous and not give it to somebody else? Who's no, you not, just have them there to anchor the thing. Why? Because then it just floats. And then, then, but then then it, it, that's it. Yeah, float, floats <laughs> the right word. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, uh, you're making me feel like it's my idea. You're doing it. I can feel it happening. I know. I know. I get. I get all excited when I talk about <laughs> coming, coming out and, and doing another one. We we're talking about the success. Who are you talking that, about it too? Well, Time Life had this. Uh, that's still a thing. Time Life. What are they? I sent you the collection. I have the collection. I know. That's from Time Life? Yeah. Oh, look at that. That's it. I just remember the books. You buy, you get three for free, and then you get the rest forever. No, it's a whole deal. You open that box, and you'll see. I'm talking about the box. I'm talking about the old days when they had the Time Life library. Yeah, well, not, but the old days. I don't want you to talk about the old days anymore. I want you to talk about the next thing. Okay. The next thing is what's going to happen. And the next thing will take advantage of the fact that you've got a computer here, the fact that on your cell phone you can do 
a whole, you can do a movie on your cell phone. Yeah, this is the opening bit, a guy that doesn't know where to watch something and nothing's working. That's true, that's it, and that's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> People don't watch television anymore. I know, I know. I know. I'm not, I, look, I, I'm excited about it, so who's going to produce? Well, that's that's another, well, first of all, <laughs> there are other producers out there. Yeah. You're doing some stuff right now that I could use as you do it, yeah. put it on the air. Yeah. And there are, I saw a kid the other day, unbelievable, just card tricks. You could take him and do funny card tricks with him, and just the visual of it would be exciting. Sure. If you, if you, if you throw away all the rules yeah. and you say, okay, we're not going to do the F word and we're not going to whatever, but we're going to do political. I mean, I think Sean Hannity's the funniest man on the air. You want to use your Sean? Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. put Sean Hannity in him. No, I'd do a tribute to <laughs> Sean Hannity. I mean, help me, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he probably and, and, do it. And Rush Limbaugh, I would sure. do. Rush Limbaugh is, must be watched. It's like a, an accident. You're not proud that you saw it, but you we had to see it. Well, he's a showman. There's no doubt that these oh, guys are. Oh, he's a clown. Have, he's yeah. a balloon that, buffoon, that, I call him. Well, what, I mean, that's really what's at the core and what's, you know, the biggest joke for people who, who run a little deeper than the people that think they're watching the news is that these guys are, are hucksters. They're, they're oh. clowns. They're show business people. That's right. That's right. But but nobody's-, nobody's Carnival show. Nobody, that's, that's right. P.T. Barnum's alive. Yep. Nobody. He's in the White House. I mean, when-, when <laughs> He's in the White House. Hey, come on. Will you tell me, how does he get the hair that color? <laughs> I don't know, but I heard that whatever he's using is making him nuts. Uh, he belongs in the home. He really does. He belongs in Silly City in a rubber room. There's your open. But he's but <laughs> Trump he's in our, the home. <laughs> that's right. But he's our president. I know. I like her. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, of course you like her. You want her to be a dancer on the new laughing? Even more. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were getting put her, dirty. I would offer her a shot on new laughing. Sure you would. Uh, yeah. You and, could probably get that. And I like the new son who doesn't remember meeting with the Russians. I don't he know. He remembers think. now. Well, yeah, oh, I remember that they, now. They, yeah, they, how did yeah. that happen? They just need their memory jogged by uh, by investigative reporters. He needs their memory jogged by us. Uh-huh. He needs for us to come in there and do a, a character. I get, I'm understanding now the, the broad palette of your brain. And, and I like it. I, I like what you're saying. And when I when I frame it in the context of the original laughing, I kind of half see it. But well, you know, you'll but see the, it. There's yeah. no way to stop it because it must happen because of our, our national boredom. But but it's a very aggravated boredom in the sense that it, there's no shortage of shit to distract and and engage, and yet you're still bored. That's that's something other than boredom. That's a that's beyond boredom. It's it's uh, paralysis. And you're only two degrees away from funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you when you get all of that you're, stuff you just mentioned, you're a hell of a salesman. When you get <laughs> when you get past all the stuff you just mentioned, yeah. Cue the audience, and the audience will be there waiting to laugh. We're waiting to laugh at something. I That's feel, how Trump got I feel elected. like you're offering me a job. Are you offering me a yeah, job? Yeah, yeah. We, we may have to move this environment a little. You got to see. Did people see what this is? Some people know what it is. This is wonderful. This could be one set on the new laughing. Oh, and you know what? Yeah. You got it. You got it. I don't, I don't think I <laughs> I don't think I can afford this many books and records and toys and things. Yeah, you put, take the new laugh in. Mm-hmm. Put you and the new laugh in in this set. And I mm-hmm. guarantee you, within two weeks, you well, you are already famous. What am I talking about? I'd just about? be a bit, though. You, you'd only use me for two-second shots of me saying I like, don't need any. Things, I like, would only use anybody like, you know, for two seconds. Sock it to me. And then you, what do you no, mean, no, you we would do everybody? more than that. No, 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 no. But you no, want to no. use? You want to do that pace again, don't you, where yes, you just cut yes, away to but, ridiculousness? But you, would bring, you, you would bring the necessary intellectual... Mm-hmm input into that show so i could be like i could be like you know, part of the brain 
See, because you're on the periphery of the establishment. You're almost I'm normal. I'm definitely on the periphery of the establishment. You're almost normal, mm. but not. No, and no. That's very don't, promising don't for my world. Don't tell anybody. No, I wouldn't. I mean, Who would believe it? I know, right? I'm having more damn fun than I've ever had with my clothes Stop on. Stop it. You've <laughs> had better times with better people? Well, okay. <laughs> 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 that was an easy sale. Yeah. No, we we will do it. We're going to do a new laugh-in. We're going to do it. I may, I may do it. See, what, what happens- You're hiding something. You've already talked to I people. hide a lot. Yeah. Oh, sure. You, yeah. think, <laughs> you, think, you think I got here by the bus? I, every, every, everything I do is hiding something. I mean- but, <laughs> no, I didn't but, think you got here by the bus. <laughs> no, but the, th- the thing well, is- I love that saying. <laughs> there's, there's more stuff to be done that we're not doing. I know. All right, uh, so we'll talk again. This please, was good. Please, let's do it. No, no, no. I'm going to watch the shows. I, I don't know if any, I don't know if this worked or not. It worked for me because I had a good time. Yeah, no, I had a good time. And uh, uh, we will do it again. Yeah, we're going to do and, laughing, uh, right? I, I've got to tell you right now. Yeah. Right now, I will put you on the pilot, the first show for sure, and we'll we'll tape it in here. <laughs> On a phone? No, no, not on a phone. We'll say no because you have <coughs> you have more fun than people are allowed to have with their clothes on. Uh, I know. You, I just had George Schwatter over. Do you know him? <laughs> I, I used to. I I knew his this you know, but uh, he didn't come over here on a bus. <laughs> See, I dropped off some stuff here. You may use. Oh, the, the, I think the high point was. Uh, 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 my name's George Schlatter. That's your problem. <laughs> I wish I knew Groucho Marx. Oh God, it was funny. It was funny. He <laughs> like, was. He was. All, just a, uh, always the brain was just popping, huh? He brought his secretary with him. Yeah, and uh, um, so she said. Uh, we taped some stuff with Groucho, yeah. and uh, and I said, that's it. She said, that, what do you mean, that's it? I said, well, we've got everything we need. She said, you can't send him home. She said, I've got enough stuff in him. It'll be up for three days. And I said, <laughs> she said, you can't send him home now. So so we went in, and Groucho was there. She was in the dressing room naked, dancing, keeping Groucho's attention. Yeah. I mean, when, when I – see, I – I'm talking about writing a book, but the problem is my life is so weird that nobody's going to believe a lot well, of it. Well, just ask Cliff to hang out. Oh. But it, he'll write it with you. Yeah, well, he's he's working on. It. He did. He took some notes. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 a piece of work, isn't he? Do you see him? I talk to him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I, I when I started reading him, I had him on this show, and because uh, I thought he he needed his mind and his writing needed to be out in the world, and and we just produced a series of podcasts with him. Well, that's good because oh, he yeah. need, he needs that window. Yeah, no, I I I'm a, a big uh, Cliff fan because he fools you the way he looks and the way he writes and the way he researches. He, he he fools you. He is in it, man. He is he lives in the rabbit hole of show business. <laughs> that's a, and he's the rabbit. He is the he, rabbit. There's no fucking doubt. He's the rabbit. I know. I know. He's and he's having more fun than you're allowed to have. Oh, good. And the book is doing well. It's great. We did we did a couple of personal appearances together. Oh, good. And I was not invited back. Okay. I, th- <laughs> I think I think I'm, I may have been a bit disruptive. Well, that's all right. He, he's going to rotate all the guys that still remember the guys that he gives a shit about through. You know, and there's I mean? only about eight left. I, I know. You know. It's, it's it's sad. You uh, now, what are you doing the rest of today, or is this it? Uh, I talked to you, and then I'm actually going to go play guitar with some guys for the first time ever. 
Okay, I've always wanted to play Their with Their first them. time or your first time? Well, I mean, I don't, you know, I like to play and I never, you know, get, get together with guys to play, so I'm going to go try it. Is that your guitar there? No, that's a thing. That's an old guitar that I keep in here and sometimes people pick it up. It's I'm a, not going to do that. No, I know. I used to play clarinet. So it's, it's not going to sound good. It was funny though because I played it upside down. No, you they, didn't. What? You did not play it upside I down. I know it was. Uh, that was that was <laughs> a silly thing to say that I wish I hadn't said. So George, but now I've lost your respect. Not at all. Not at all. You didn't come here on the bus. They can't all be zircons, you know. <laughs> zircon. Oh, no. That's the tag for the new laughing. They can't be all. They can't all be zircons. <laughs> All right, we'll talk again. I've got a lot more trivia waiting for our next appearance. Okay, buddy. Baby, this was fun. It was. All right, folks, that's it. I am I doing a show with George Waters? Is that what happened there? I don't I can't tell. Let me know. Don't forget to pre-order our new book, Waiting for the Punch, and when you do use your proof of purchase to enter our podcast fan sweepstakes. You can win a king-size mattress from Casper or a three-piece luggage set from Away, plus signed posters from me. Go to markmarinbook.com or click the book links at wtfpod.com to pre-order and enter to win. I've got the Black Les Paul out here plugged into the uh, little Fender Champ, and that's going to make some, some major sonic mush.